This is a Stand Up Labs production, powered by digital media. This week on the Mandatory Samson Podcast, we are recording from a special location. It's actually kind of fun getting out of the studio, stretching our wings a little bit. We're talking about Kylie, nope, Kendall Jenner's Pepsi commercial, which is my favorite thing to happen in the last three years. We're also going to talk about Bannon being removed from the National Security Council, horrible chemical weapons attack in Syria, and much, much more. So stick around. I think you're going to enjoy the show. Thank you for listening. This is the Mandatory Samson Podcast, coming to you from a weird location. It's just stand-up New York. Uh, We're not recording in the regular podcast studio this week. Due to unforeseen circumstances, if you listen to the J Train podcast, uh, which actually you will not have because it's coming out next week, but you'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're just recording in the comedy club this week as opposed to up in the studio. There was a lot of like scheduling conflicts and whatever. And you know what? I liked recording J Train down here. I felt the vibe. And we just decided to stay. So my name is Christopher Flannery. I'm joined, as always, by one Joseph Anthony Noe. Hi, everybody. I just want you guys to know I'm looking at Chris the entire time right now, he's holding a mic. I, I can't wait for him to just drop it. Just drop it like Roman Reigns on uh, Monday Night Raw. Uh, I look, did it. Oh, Woo! I, I talked to him on the phone last night. We're also got Matt Weiss here, of course. Hey, Matt. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, pleasure to have you. Uh, Joe. I talked to Joey on the phone last night. Before we get into what is on the program, I talked to Joey. I always call him. Well, he's on his lunch break on Wednesdays, and I you know, have to tell him what time we start <laughs> and what we're going to do. And I, I, We basically have the same conversation every week for our entire lives but he goes it was wrestlemania this weekend bro and i'm like i don't care well we talked about it i I, personally we talked about it but he's like maybe we come up on the show i don't know and i'm like it's not going to come up in the show and then of course immediately he's talking about monday night raw yeah i brought it up okay just relax uh welcome to the program everyone interesting show lined up for uh here for you quick hits off the top including steve bannon isis and neil gorsuch which we have a big update to the neil gorsuch uh bit of the show that we were going to talk about there's a big update there we also have an update at the top of the show which we're going to get to in a minute uh then we're talking chemical attack in syria backlash to the kendall jenner pepsi commercial which is hmm, one of my favorite things that we're ever going to talk about on the show i just want to say totally undeserved more on this later facial recognition concerns which is something that i talked about last week which we're actually going to bring up this week it's scary shit yeah just scary and finally we have a bill o'reilly interview that i'm going to play in full i just happened to be watching fox news last week i you know i was flipping around i was like what are are these dick bags talking about i put it on and it's an interview where i go this is unbelievable o'reilly's trying to lead the guy in one direction being like the russia stuff is Ridiculous. And this guy will not <laughs> go along with that uh, line of, of thinking. So it's a really interesting interview, and, and we will play it at the end of the program. A uh, couple of things at the top of the show. Let me say this. Thanks to everybody who left a review on iTunes. Uh, a few people went on there, left a very nice review, rated the show, which we appreciate. Um, and they must have been J-Train listeners because they referred to me as an 888, which I love. Thank you very much. Well, you are. Um, Thank you very much. What would I get? You're like a seven. 
you know, across the board, probably. Oh. Maybe a six personality. Shout wow. out. But now this is serious. I don't want to fuck around with this. Shout out to my man Cameron at the National Museum of African American History and Culture. Oh, that's in D.C., right? It is. It's that's a Smithsonian awesome. in D.C. I, so Damian Lemon, who's show i produced in the conversation with uh, ali muhammad and vlad kamanyo damien was in dc he went to the museum and he was raving about it he thought it was great but tickets are extremely hard to get and i had seen it the week earlier uh there was a category on jeopardy they were at the museum they were showing different exhibits mm-hmm. and this and that and i was like this all right now it's solidified it damien went he was raving about it i want to go to this museum tickets are impossible to get Damien was able to set me up with my man Karen, who works at the museum, and he was very nice to me. Listens to this podcast awesome. actually, on a weekly basis, he said, which is nutty to me. Uh, so we appreciate it, Cameron. If you're listening, this is why I'm doing this. Um, he's able to set me up with tickets to That's the museum. Awesome. So I'm going to go to the museum at the end of April. I will give the Samsonites a full report, um, and I'm really excited to go. Not only because it's supposed to just be a great experience to go, but that. Like, yes, it's African-American history and culture, but it is the history of this country as well. Like, those two things are inexorably linked. The African-American experience in this country is American history, and I think it's an important part of it. And also, you know, it's going to deal in slavery and Jim Crow and and all, you know, that aspect, obviously, of African-Americans in this country, um, which is something that I don't think has ever been dealt with. I don't want to say correctly, but like in a way that is provided closure essentially or, or, you know, healing in that regard. So I'm very excited to go and see it and, 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 you know, explore that part of the country's history. Still an active, still an active issue and constant debate. And I mean, you have to remember the good and the bad when you're uh, looking at history. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, the Michael Moore. Well, anyway, so I'm going to get into that point, but, uh, Cameron, I really appreciated my man. And actually Cameron has worked on Capitol Hill as a communications director. He's mm. done a lot of work, uh, you know, in Washington. So I'm going to talk to him. I'm definitely going to meet him when I go down um, at the end of April, but potentially we get Cameron to call into the program and talk to us a little bit about the, some of the work he's done in, that in Washington. That sounds awesome. So that'd be cool, right? Yeah, so it's great. Um, to that point, Matt, the documentary, Where to Invade Next, it's Michael Moore's documentary that I talk about all the time. I recommend it to everybody. It's a great documentary. He goes to Germany. The point of the do- i think i've mentioned on the show but the point of the documentary is he goes to different countries around the world and he invades them i'm doing air quotes and takes <laughs> their ideas back to america you know like that's gotcha. his. um and when he goes to germany something i never knew about germany th- in every class in germany mm-hmm. they dedicate some time during the day to talk about the holocaust every day in school there oh it, hmm. it, they're it's huge there that just denying the holocaust is a, is a felt is a crime, if not a felony. Though. Right. Well, the point, but the point being, that's, you know, there's a kid who is not from Germany. He emigrates to Germany or goes to Germany and he considers himself German now, obviously. You know, yeah. he's like, I'm German. He's like, and even though I wasn't born here and my family's in from here, he's like, I'm taking on the German identity. This is part of that. And I bear responsibility for that, even though I wasn't involved. And that's such an interesting concept especially when you look at slavery in the united states and not that that's the only thing that's going to be at the museum but that's obviously part of the history that's something that i don't think a lot you know i think a common theme is like well i had not i didn't have slaves i had nothing to do with it yeah but it's american history and we have to take that as good, much as we take the good things that happen in this country that's something that is part of our history and it needs to be something that needs to be recognized and ta-nehisi coates's uh the case for reparations which i've talked about a number of times on this podcast really outlines in detail um, even Germany paying reparations to Israel after the Holocaust and a lot of this stuff. So it's just an interesting 
thing to mm-hmm. talk about, but I'm really looking forward to going to the museum, and I, I'm very excited. So I will 100% be talking about it on the show, and hopefully we'll be talking to Cameron at some point on this program. I want a PowerPoint presentation, Christopher. Joey, you know what? Why don't you relax, okay? Okay, fine. I will be posting on Twitter. I'll be posting Ooh. on Instagram. You know, I'll keep uh, Snapchat even. I'll, I'll, I'll keep people posted on what I'm doing. Um, what else did I have to say? Oh, so yeah, we're just getting through a couple of the qu- you know things at the mm-hmm. top. Obviously, once again, thank you to Cameron. Michael Flynn, I think this happened after last week's episode, he said that he would be willing to testify in the Russia investigation against the current administration uh, for immunity. None of the the FBI, the intelligence committee, none of them have bit on that. They're like, yeah, you're going to testify anyway. We don't need to give you immunity. So <laughs> none of that happened, but that's just something they want to put out there. Now, as of today, Nunez, what is his goddamn first name? I can't Devin. Devin Nunez. Such a silly name for a congressman, <laughs> but okay. Devin Nunez. Devin's a great name, Chris. Who has been accused of getting, you know, interfering in the election, not the election, into the investigation, not working with Adam Schiff, who's the ranking Democrat on the House Intelligence Committee, going back door to Trump and giving him information that he didn't tell the rest of the committee. Okay. So there has been a lot of calls for him to either resign or get, you know, recuse himself from the case. As of today, as of recording this Thursday, he has recused himself from the Russia investigation. So that's good, I think, and a good step uh, forward as far as making sure things are on the up and up and, and you know, whatever you want to call it, right? Is there any more to that, Matt? Um, I mean, th- well, there's, we're yet to see what's really going to come of it. I mean, it could be he has another person just like him behind him on the committee that takes charge, right? which would be a problem, obviously. Yeah. And, I mean... I, I just remember I read a New York Times article on Devin Nunez recently that just described him by saying that no one's asking another congressman said that no one's asking him to bring the potato salad to the Mensa meeting or the Mensa picnic. What does right. that even mean? It's basically calling him dumb. Not, no one's oh. asking him to bring the potato salad to the Mensa picnic. Mensa's an association for geniuses, which apparently some people here wouldn't belong to. He's not going to be able to contribute to the Mensa. Sorry, Joey, that was me. Organization, you know. Ah, okay. Matt, you'll get out of here so fast. <laughs> I will cut. Um, all right, very good. Now, like I said, there's an update, a big update to the Neil Gorsuch thing. I'm sure by the time you guys are listening to this, you will have already known what's going on, but that's okay. We're still going to tease it. I'm going to pretend like you don't know. Here's what I want to get into first. Stephen K. Bannon, I'm just going to guess. President Trump's chief strategist, Steve Bannon, has been removed from the National Security Council in a move pushed for by new National Security Advisor, Lieutenant General H.R. McMaster, which... Sounds like a fake name, but it's the real name of an actual lieutenant general in the United States and the chief uh, national security advisor now. Bannon will retain the highest possible national security clearance. Um, And I have a couple of quotes in the email. Alex Ward, who is uh, part of the Atlantic Council think tank, he's an analyst there. He says, Bannon still has immense interest in national security and he'll still offer advice. Bannon still cares deeply about Iran and radical Islamic terrorism. That's in quotes. He will still offer his advice on how to curb Iran's regional rise and defeat the so-called Islamic State, among other terror groups. He'll also offer more dovish recommendations regarding Russia. They are diametrically opposed. Now he's referring to Bannon and H.R. McMaster. He says, they are diametrically opposed on foreign policy. McMaster is leading a pretty normal GOP foreign policy process where Bannon has more nationalist ideas. I, you know, good. It's good that Bannon's not on the council. His influence needs to be mitigated. And there's actually some rumors, and I'm just saying it, because it's stuff that I've read as rumors, that Jared Kushner, mm-hmm. the Donald's daughter, Ivanka's husband, has curried more favor within the administration as of late, and that Bannon is sort of 
on the outs a little bit and that more typical people like McMaster and to an extent, um, God, why can't I think of secretary of defense? What the hell's his name? Uh, Mattis. Yeah. Mattis. The, 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 the more rational, just sort of right wing ideas are taking hold and, and Bannon is sort of on the out, but th- that's just rumors and stuff that you've read. But uh, All right. I, I'm sorry, but this seems to me that all they did was they're editing Bannon's resume and they decided to say he's not part of the council, but he still has the same access. So then... Well, he doesn't... Here's the thing. He, he, it effectively does nothing. He doesn't have the same access. That's the thing. Not being on the National Security Council means he doesn't have to be in the... Like, originally when he was on the council, Trump was kind of pairing the council down to just be him, a few of the top generals, and Bannon. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Now Bannon's not on the council anymore. So McMaster, Mattis, more of the you know leading generals in the country will have more of a voice at that table. And Bannon doesn't even necessarily have to be there. He can be. He has the clearance to be. But they could say, we don't want you here for this meeting. And that could be a thing. Yeah, but he's still in the room, though. No, that's what I'm saying. He might not be. And it seems like McMaster and these guys are getting more, um, and Kushner, potentially, which I I don't know how good that's going to be, but it gets Bannon potentially out of the room for some of these national security meetings, which I think is a positive. Well, it it could go back to like what Karl Rove was, where he said like, "Oh, you, you can be in the room, but you're going to sit in the, sit against the wall and not say anything." Right. I mean, uh, that's which is better than him having a voice yeah. and pushing for policy. And it shouldn't be politicizing the National Security Council, which is the ultimate problem. It should be okay. This is national security. We're not going to talk about how it looks in the election. Right. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So that's um, I think worth noting. We'll keep oh. our good. Also, you were correct. His name, his middle name is Kevin. So Stephen K. Bannon, no were, shit. How correct. about that? Look at that. Um, All right. ISIS second in command, according to an Iraqi intelligence spokesman on Saturday, Ayad al-Jamali, a deputy to ISIS leader Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, was killed in an airstrike last Friday. So ISIS obviously has been on the run for quite a while. Um, The United States and Iraq, Iraqi forces have been hot on their tail to use the dumbest expression I can think of at this moment, <laughs> uh, you know, killing them and really degrading their capabilities. There hasn't been as much ISIS propaganda out. We haven't seen any of these beheading videos. You know, there's been obviously a, a, a degrading of ISIS over the last They've been weakened. several months. Definitely. Um, even as far as terror attacks, you know, knock on wood, but it's like, you haven't seen that as much. So they're not inspiring as, as much. Um, and now their second in command has been killed, which is good. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. There has been an additional amount of troops added in Iraq and potentially Syria. And now we know that the um, the fight is going to be brought to Raqqa, Syria, where ISIS's last remaining stronghold is mm-hmm. essentially in the region. Mosul is not finished, and we're still waiting to see what the investigation of the airstrikes, killing civilians, what that brings. But it seems like ISIS, st- you know, this is further evidence that ISIS is uh, coming to, uh, if not an end, completely but at least a territorial end you know yeah i mean this ends their territorial claim in iraq and makes them right. just push them back into syria really yeah which we're going to get into syria in a few minutes because there's some terrible news coming out of there and then obviously the administration response is you know <laughs> not what i would like to hear out of the current administration but we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit as everything in life actions speak louder than words and it's too soon to see what the action is, is going to be. You're so. saying from the administration yes. towards uh, Assad, the Assad yes. regime. Yeah, well, we're going to get into that in a little bit. Okay, so I wanted to bring that up. Now, 
We're going to get into the Neil Gorsuch stuff. I just want to break it down chronologically, and then we will obviously end with the breaking news that we have. On Friday, Senator Claire McCaskill, who's a Democrat from Missouri, announced her support of a filibuster of Supreme Court nominee Neil Gorsuch. At the time, she was the 35th Democrat to stand in opposition of his confirmation. And I have um, a statement from McCaskill. Essentially, she wrote an essay on the website Medium just um, to put out her thoughts on why she was not going to vote for Gorsuch. Holy shit, it is pouring out. It we're sure sitting at, We're sitting at the bar of Stand Up New York, and I can look out the whole front window here. It ah, is it's coming down. a disaster out. Okay. Glad to not be out there. Yeah, really. Uh, this is Claire McCaskill talking about why she can't support Gorsuch. This is a really difficult decision for me. I am not comfortable with either choice, meaning to vote for him or to filibuster. While I have come to the conclusion that I can't support Neil Gorsuch for the Supreme Court and will vote no on the procedural vote and his confirmation, I remain very worried about our polarized politics and what the future will bring, since I'm certain we will have a Senate rule change that will usher in more extreme judges in the future. Spoiler alert. Uh, I cannot support Judge Gorsuch because a study of his opinions reveal a rigid ideology that always puts the little guy under the boot of corporations. I cannot and will not support a nominee that allows dark and dirty anonymous money to continue to flow unchecked into our elections. I reject this nomination because Judge Gorsuch would continue an activist position that states that corporations have the same rights as people. The men who wrote our Constitution would reject that nonsense since they were highly suspect of corporations as the tools of royalty, which I love that point. And isn't that, in fact, what we're seeing, right? There's a very wealthy ruling class in control of massive corporations and fortunes and influencing our elections and our politics and buying politicians and lobbying. And isn't that really the truth? They were highly suspect of corporations as the tools of royalty. I love that. And that's, it's amazing because there's so many Republicans and so many people on the conservative right that are strict constitutionalists and they, they, uh, worship the founding fathers yet they also worship at the altar of quote free market capitalism and let the market solve it market-based solution but they are diametrically opposed things the 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 founding fathers as she said would be very suspect of these massive corporations and people that support them yet the republicans who claim to love the founding fathers worship at the altar of these (laughs) corporations say that they're the uh, you know the gears that that drive democracy and all this stuff you know well, the founding fathers themselves weren't originalists. They didn't believe in the Scalia of course doctrine. Not. No, they, of course. they were undertaking an experiment. There's yes. a radical experiment. The perfection of the union. And yeah, and I'm currently, re- I'm actually currently reading the Federalist Papers for fun because I'm insane that way. <laughs> Matt and, brings this up every <laughs> time I say I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> and just, I mean, Al- I mean, Alexander Hamilton was a brilliant man, but he's talking about. I mean, there's a lot of debate that was going on back then that are st- that's still happening. And to say the founding fathers felt one way or the other, or the, or the the other strictly is wrong. Well, of course. Well, listen, they provided the, all you need to know is that they provided mechanisms by which to change the constitution or mend the constitution. So that's all you need to know. They obviously don't want you to take it exactly as it is. They want you to make it better and fit the current times. You know, that's yeah. A living document, right? Corporations don't cry or laugh or marry or worry about sending their kids to college. Judge Gorsuch's, that's a tough word to say. Gorsuch's? <laughs> Go, Joe, you say it. Gorsuch's. <laughs> I can't say it either, so I'm not just laughing at you. Judge Gorsuch's allegiance to corporations disqualifies him from the highest court in the land. That might be the most impossible word on earth to say. Gorsuch's. Gorsuch's. I want people to listen to this podcast. Snapchat me. You, you Gorsuch's. Yeah, I want you to hard. say Gorsuch like 
has possession over something. Gorsuch's. <laughs> I can't even say. How it. many Gors- S's is that? Gorsuch's. It's only it's only one. It's just one S. Yeah. What, too, what's wrong with you two? It's Gorsuch's. All right. Oh, well, see, because you're cheating. I'm cheating. Yeah, you're saying Gorsuch E S. Gorsuch's. Gorsuch's. It's Gorsuch's. <laughs> it's Gorsuch's. Right. Then on Monday, Democratic Senator from Delaware, Chris Coons, became the 41st Democrat to support a filibuster. So she was there like around 35. You know, it's hard to tell, but she was like the 35th Democrat. Chris Coons on Monday became the 41st Democrat, which then forces the Republican hand. It is going to be filibustered. They cannot actually confirm this guy unless they do away with the filibuster as far as Supreme Court nominations is concerned. Um like I said, putting the pressure on Republicans to either accept the blockade or destroy it with the, quote, nuclear option. Okay. Do you fear this sets precedence if they do the nuclear option? Well, let's, we're going to get it right okay. into it in one second. 51 votes are needed for a Senate rules change. So the Democrats, I mean, the Republicans would have the necessary votes to change a rule if they deemed necessary. Currently, they're only seeking to change rules on Supreme Court nominations, not legislation in general, which is a big distinction to make if they did away with the filibuster completely then mm. you know it becomes the wild west because they'll get anything passed and democrats would get anything passed and god willing a president bernie sanders would be able to get legislation on health care passed very easily we'd have a working legislature what well that's the thing man i mean the 60 vote well why why don't we wait no longer neil gorsuch uh is going to be confirmed as Senate Majority well, Leader. Well, that, that's assuming no one breaks ranks miraculously. And <laughs> yeah, right. I mean... The, the, the vote has not happened yet, but... But in all likelihood, because yeah. they have, what, 54? Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're go- they're, he's they going haven't. to get confirmed unless something radical happens. Right. Um, in any event, Mitch McConnell invoked the nuclear option as of today, and so Supreme Court nominees will now just require a simple 51-vote majority to be confirmed, and Gorsuch will become the missing ninth Supreme Court justice. So uh, shifting the court, I mean, dramatically to the right. Well, no, I mean, it'll maintain the status quo more so because Sc- well, he, he's, he's replacing Scalia. He's going to be another Scalia. He's going to be ideologically, well, but not intellectually, another Scalia. Well, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. The, uh, 538 put out a thing that it, based on his uh, opinions and what they can glean from you know his history, he's farther to the right than, than Scalia. So, oh, really? Which doesn't essentially <laughs> matter, right? I mean, Scalia yeah. was still as far right as you needed him to be. but I yeah. mean, Scalia was always going to vote. To, on the farthest, most conservative, most originalist doctrine, I think Gorsuch's votes will be essentially the same. His writings might be different. I think at the end of the day, he's an ideologue, but he lacks the intellectual power. Pa- he's not the intellectual powerhouse that Scalia was. Uh, well, there's, who knows? I mean, we he's know a smart guy, say. but Scalia yeah. was a brilliant man with a, what I think of, was a fundamentally flawed ideology. Right. So Yeah. I mean, I, for what it's worth, obviously I don't want this to be the case, but I like Gorsuch, I is more likable personally uh, as and rhetorically as far as i'm concerned mm-hmm. then scalia doesn't ultimately matter because that's not that doesn't factor in he's still going to vote the same way that scalia would so uh, you know do you think, think and that now for he's a young man right how old is gorsuch he's gonna be on for you know you gotta figure 35 right. years unless something terrible happens so here's a question are the Democrats trying to fail bust him just because trump picked him if it was another republican who had picked him do you feel there would be as much opposition I can't say, obviously. I would think that there's going to be pretty strong opposition to any whoever it was yes. uh, appointing someone because of the Merrick Garland thing. The Democrats had the ability, while Obama was president, to 
nominate a justice who should have gone through at that point. Yes. The Republicans refused to take up the vote. And so I said it on this podcast. The, the Democrats should do everything they can, not vote, do not bring this to a vote. And then if the Republicans choose to exercise the, the nuclear option, so be it. then so be it. But the Democrats did the right thing here, um, in my opinion. Now, also, uh, yes, this, this is uh, a frustrating development because it's uh, long-reaching. You know, this is one of the most long-reaching things that any president can do, and this is not the president that we want doing this. Um, but 51 is a majority, you know, and it, yeah. to me it makes sense. 60 is not a majority. If we had this situation when Obama first took office, because everybody goes, well, he controlled both houses of Congress. Yeah, but he didn't have a 60-vote supermajority. He had 50-whatever, but there was blue dogs that weren't going to vote for him. Oh, you know. that totally... Right, healthcare would have been done correctly, but the, that's why we ended up with an Obamacare and a flawed bill. He didn't have the, the votes. He didn't have the 60-vote supermajority. 51, goddamn, he would have. But, okay, th that's legislation as opposed to Supreme Court nominations. Yeah. But to me, 51 votes is a majority, and I, I can wrap my head around that. I get it. Well, and to go back to the Founding Fathers, that's how they intended it. That's, they actually intended it to be a 51-vote majority. Right. When was the... It was 1913 so, or I something? Was, I was just reading in the history yeah. of this, and it was actually... The filibuster came into existence in 1806 because of an accidental... Basically, Aaron Burr, the vice president at the time, is like after he had killed Alexander Hamilton. Yeah. Thanks, thanks there, buddy. Right. Um, he basically said, "Oh, this rule seems redundant, so let's just get rid of it." Mm -hmm. And the rule maintained it. It's, it's still there in the House, and the reason that it's a simple majority, and it basically made it so you could not end debate. There was, uh, and so they thought, "Okay, we'll just we'll have a civil debate and keep talking." Right. But then it took was exploited. Then you get to World War One when they're trying to get into the war, and you have. Woodrow Wilson eventually was able to get it, so it's a yeah in, introduced cloture, which is to end end debate. Right. That bring that made it so it was a two thirds majority to end cloture. Cloture which originally. Sixty seven, right? Yeah. At the time, it was sixty because it was a smaller union. Oh, but okay. Yeah. Uh, and then it wasn't until seventy five that they actually brought it down to a, a three fifths majority. Right. To end which cloture, is, which is the sixty. Yeah. So any in any event, um, that's thank you for brief for history lesson. No, it's good because he was reading it before the show. Um, here we are. You know, we're at the Supreme Court nominations, and now it's fifty-one, and that's fifty-one until it gets changed. But I can't imagine it being changed. So then, when the Democrats are in control, if they have a a, a nomination, it's going to go through. So, now it basically just is: if you nominate somebody, they're going to go through. It's basically how it's going to work. So, for the record, my issue with this is not the ending of the filibuster; it's that the fact the fact that or just the hypocrisy of it, and that well, fuck that. And Mitch McConnell yeah. is such a fucking yeah, he's a little, piece of shit hypocrite little, little, little turtle. i mean he is that turtle needs to go back into his shell i like turtles uh here's a couple of quotes actually now these are a little outdated but one of them is from mcconnell and he says look at the senate through the long history of the body the practical effect of all this will be to take us back to where we were and then john mccain mm -hmm. yes i got a mccain he goes by the way mccain you've been working on mccain I god mean. love him he seems like he's getting a little too old to be doing this anymore listen to this quote he goes, idiot. Whoever says that is a stupid idiot who, who has not been here and seen what I've been through and how we were able to avoid that on several occasions. And they are stupid and they've deceived their voters because they are so stupid. That's just like I don't even man. know what he's talking about. That's an about. old man. What well, he's saying if to do away with the filibuster. No, I mean, just in general. It's, uh, it's like. I know, idiot. Whoever says that is a stupid idiot. Like he's, just, no adjectives he's just being a curmudgeon old man <laughs> at this point, you know, but okay. Um, all right, that's it. So, we'll, you know, we're going to see how this proceeds. Got it, Matt. Uh, one last thing. Uh, Gorsuch is 49 years old. 
Yeah, so, so he's I mean, very young. And now yeah, he, he, I mean, you got to think reasonably he's going to be there for 35 years, 40 years. You know, and he, lo- he looks reasonably fit. Yeah. Well, and it's, God knows the fucking Supreme Court's not as stressful a job. No, no, not at all. There's they work, you know, weekends. There, it's not like, like the highest highest court in the land or anything. That's yeah, but they work a couple of times a year. It's not like he's doing, you know, it's like it's it's not so bad. I mean, there, there's constant debate. There's constant. It, it's not an easy job, I'm assuming. I could do it. I've never been a. I've never clerked for the Supreme Court or anything. Sorry, guys. I'm fucking with the uh, the cable that's connected to my computer, so we can play. Stop so, touching it. I know, but sh- be quiet. How many times have you said that to him, Joey? Not enough. Shut up, Matt. <laughs> All right. Um. Let's get into this. So now this is a serious situation. Obviously, um. Last week, the ch- now. Oh, okay. So this is the Syria chemical attack, which if you haven't heard about it, we're gonna get into it in a minute. Before this happens, this, this is what's interesting because you can see the dangers of not having a set ideology. And this is where it plays out very clearly. Last week, the Trump administration said it no longer considered taking Bashar al-Assad, who is the dictator strongman of Syria, out of power in Syria, a priority. I have a Nikki Haley quote, who is the Trump administration, United Nations ambassador. She says, our priority is no longer to sit there and focus on getting Assad out our priority is to really look at how uh, do we get things done. Who do we need to work with to really make a difference for the people in Syria? We can't necessarily focus on Assad the way that the previous administration did. I don't think Obama particularly focused on Assad and taking him out of power. I don't see that being the case. Um, and then I also have Rex Tillerson. He said the status and the longer term status of President Assad will be decided by the Syrian people. All right. So that's a policy shift, essentially. Uh, from last week to this week where they're saying we're not trying to take Assad out of power. Meanwhile, on Tuesday this week, at least 58 people, including women and children, were killed and many more injured in an apparent chemical airstrike in northwest Syria. People were foaming at the mouth, had difficulty breathing, and bled from their noses, those people that didn't die. Uh, but a lot of people were killed. While the U.S. blamed Assad-backed forces for the attack, Russia defended Assad, blaming rebels, saying the poison gas leaked from an insurgent weapons depot after a, le- uh, after a legit Syrian airstrike. I have a video of our president, Donald Trump, which I'm going to play, and then I have some quotes in the email that we're going to get to. Right. Go ahead, Before we do that, sure. I just want to scream conspiracy because i think the only reason they don't want to remove assad is because they had back relations with russia and and vladimir putin is not afraid of assad and will let assad stay in syria well russia's backing syria i mean that's their al that is their strong that is their foothold in the region essentially um i don't you're kind of throwing out a lot of different things there there was reports that eric prince who is a we talked about it on the show. It's former, a great name, by the way. Well, sure. Former Blackwater CEO and still runs like mercenary operations in China and different things. His sister is in the administration. That's Betsy DeVos. Um, oh, Betsy. And apparently he facilitated some kind of like back channel um, meeting between the Trump administration. But whatever. I, I didn't bring that to the show because that's unclear. and That's, you know, unsubstantiated. And I don't necessarily want to get into that. I'm just screaming conspiracy. Part of, I know you're screaming conspiracy. Part of the reason why they don't want to take a side out of power is because it's impossible, basically, to take a side out of power without, you know, going Standing in there in a with bunch a of extreme troops. military force and have, yeah. So that's why it's a, you know, and we're gonna hear Trump blame Obama for this situation and whatever because of the red line that we talked about on the show. Obama should not have put a red line in the sand that if 
Assad used chemical weapons. That was a red line. He can't do anything about that. There is nothing you're going to do other than putting military, a lot of military on the ground and trying to get Assad out of power. Then what do you do? Here's my question. Again, this is an Iraq situation all over again. Why are we not in a situation where Donald Trump does, you know, talk to Mathis and they go, you know what? Our former president said there was a red line. They crossed it again. We're fucking going to war. We're getting, we're doing it. Because it's a, that's an, what about those 60 people? Well, okay. What about the hundreds of thousands of people over the last six years that have been killed in a civil war? We're not accepting refugees. We're not doing anything to, uh, you know, support the people that are still alive there and have nowhere to go. We're going to make that. See that that's the problem. They can't all these two. No, we got to finish one point. We keep bouncing from point to point. They can't, we cannot, we could, but we cannot put troops on the ground in mass numbers in Syria to attack the leader of that country. Say we kill, we're, I've said it before, we're good at toppling a government. We're not good at rebuilding one or knowing what comes after that. And it's not our responsibility to do that. It is our responsibility, I've said it a number of times, the only way, the real main way that we can help the people of Syria is to provide them aid and to give them a place to go, right? But there's not, the, failing that is going to be very hard to create a safe zone there, protect them. They are, there's a dictator there, Assad, and his dad was there before him, mm. and that is not something that we're just going to undo. The problem is what I'm about to play. This is our current president now being asked about the situation there, and I worry where this goes and what this means. And I have some quotes, obviously, from him to support that as well. Yesterday, chemical attack. A chemical attack that was so horrific in Syria against innocent people, including women, small children, and even beautiful little babies. Their deaths. It's like Mitch McConnell. No, no, what's his face? Damn it, I can't think of it. Uh, Graham, Lindsey Graham. Beautiful little babies. It's always beautiful little babies that get these guys like riled up. Was an affront to you, Which, man. by the way, let me not be Please flippant. Please go back and play the whole thing. Okay, but let me not be flippant. This is a, you know, it's it's a tragic thing. Yes. You know, I mean, this is a horrible. It is apparently the second, at least the second time that he's used chemical weapons against his own people. But what do you do? Is this is this a thing where the United States is going to send in 100,000 troops and spend another trillion dollars? No. So this it's not possible. This is the thing that breaks the camera's back. Just, you said it best. You had six years of them not providing aid, helping the Syrians and such, and just one extra drop. All right, let's hear what Trump has to say, and then we'll talk about it. Small children and even beautiful little babies, their deaths was an affront to humanity. These heinous actions by the Assad regime cannot be tolerated. The United States stands with our allies across the globe to condemn this horrific attack and all other horrific attacks for that matter. You've condemned the chemical attacks in Syria, but you also appeared in your statement yesterday to pin some of the blame on the Obama administration. You're the president now. Do you feel like you bear responsibility for responding to the chemical attacks? And does the chemical attack cross a red line for you? Well, I think the Obama administration had a great opportunity to solve this crisis a long time ago when he said the red line in the sand. And 
So you can say that. But again, yes. w- he's right. Obama should not have done, put a red line in the sand. Correct. The reason being, there's nothing you can do about it, even if he crosses that red line. Nothing. There is stuff you can do, of course. Nothing you're going to want to do. That's not going to be possible. I mean, you can ramp up the, you can ramp up airstrikes. You can. Yeah, and it, what does that do? They could have had no fly zone, which they, were t- they talked about for a while. Yeah, I guess, and then Russia yeah. gets it. You know, so it's uh, you're just escalating the situation. Oh, I mean, granted, at the time it was we were less standoffish with Russia than we are right now. Sure. When he didn't cross that line after making the threat, I think that set us back a long ways, not only in Syria but in many other parts of the world, because it was a blank threat. I think it was something that was not one of our better days as a country. So I do feel that, Julie. I feel it very strongly. Remember that. Say, I play it again. I'm sorry. Well, just remember him saying that it was a blank threat. A blank threat. Okay. Respond to the chemical I now have responsibility, and I will have that responsibility and carry it very proudly. I will tell you that. It is now my responsibility. It was a great opportunity missed. As you know, I'll be meeting with the president of China very soon in Florida. And that's another responsibility we have, and that's called the country of North Korea. We have a big problem. We have somebody that is not doing the right thing, and that's going to be my responsibility. Uh, You know, it's odd to go from Syria to North Korea now, threatening people. Like, okay, so what are you going to do about it? But we'll talk about that in a minute. I'll tell you, that responsibility could have been made a lot easier if it was handled years ago. Before I move on to the king, can I just quickly ask you if the chemical attack crosses a red line for you? Uh, It crossed a lot of lines for me. When you kill innocent children, innocent babies, babies, little babies, with a chemical gas that is so lethal, people were shocked to hear what gas it was. That crosses many, many lines beyond the red line, many, many lines. Thank you. Okay. So, so they're just words. Well, okay. And now let's hear a couple more quotes here from, from Trump because I, I only have that one clip, but I'm going to read these quotes. I will tell you, that attack on children yesterday had a big impact on me. Big impact. My attitude towards Syria and Assad has changed very much. You're now talking about a whole different level. I like to think of myself as a very flexible person. I don't have one specific way if the world changes. I go the same way. I do change. And I am flexible. And I'm proud that I'm flexible. And I'll tell you, the attack on children yesterday had a big impact on me. Big impact. That was a horrible, horrible thing. And I've been watching it and seeing it. And it doesn't get any worse than that. And I have that flexibility. And it's a very, very possible. And I will tell you, it's already happened that my attitude towards Syria and Assad has changed very much. One of the things I think, if you noticed about me, is militarily, I don't like to say where I'm going and what I'm doing. I watched past administrations say, we will attack at such and such a day and such and such an hour. I'm not saying I'm doing anything one way or the other. Okay. So, uh, excuse me, President Trump, I have a question for you. Yes, Joey. Okay. Joey Noy for the Mandatory Stamps Podcast, please. Thank you. This is Emily Holcomb, a Middle East analyst with the International Institute for Strategic Studies. She's biased, Middle East. Okay, but go ahead. Assad calculates reasonably that military dynamics play in his favor. By using chemical weapons and other weapons, he's demonstrating the powerlessness of international actors. How do you respond to that? First of all, I don't understand it three quarters of the words in that sentence, but I will tell you this. I'm not going to say specifically what we're, we're going to do, but it crossed many, many lines for me. Quite simply, the United States is the strongest military power in the world, and basically, if the former president, Obama, hadn't been such a weak man 
with the red line. Had he attacked Assad, this would not be my problem. But I'm not going to tell you what we're going to do, but it's going to be terrific. I'm not going to get into it, but it's going to be wonderful. Here's the problem. He's saying Obama is basically writing checks his ass can't cash. But what is Trump doing right now? He's essentially saying this crossed the red line. This is a line in the sand. I can't, this, this, uh, my whole attitude. Last week, we didn't care about taking a side out of power. This week, different. I'm flexible. This is terrible. And now we have to go after him. How? This becomes a major situation. Mm-hmm. We're already increasing the number of troops potentially going to Syria to fight Iraq, uh, fight ISIS. We're not done in Iraq. That's not over yet. So now you got troops in Iraq, troops in Syria. He's now saying that this crossed a bunch of red lines. This is going to be a problem. So what are we going to do? So now we're going to simultaneously be attacking ISIS in Mm -hmm. Syria, even though Syria pays lip service the idea that they're attacking ISIS. They're not. They're dropping chemical weapons and airstrikes on rebels. This becomes a quagmire of epic proportions. And who's fighting who? Yeah. And then you start to put United States troops on the ground. They start getting killed, definitely, because they're in the middle of a a really Mm -hmm. bad situation. Does that create the environment by which Americans start to go, well, we get, you know what, listen, we got to support the president. We got to support the troops. And now you give this idiot carte blanche to do more and more damage in a situation that he has no business being involved in. When somebody like a Bannon and people that are around him want this, they want to provoke a, provoke a conflict because they think we're already in the next great conflict. They believe that we have already seen the groundwork for World War III and they want, they're like, let's, let's do it. Let's get, let's get in. Iran gets involved. What happens if more, uh, if some kind of attack happens in Israel? Iraq starts to spy. There's so many things at play here that it's shattered glass. Yes, it's just a little nick. Yes, and we don't know how it's going to spider. Absolutely, and this becomes the problem. What do you? If you're in, you're fucking in. And if you're saying that Obama's writing blank, you know whatever he said, making blank threats. This is a blank threat, then. Yes. Right. That's what I'm concerned about. I mean, I'd say that Syria already is a quagmire of epic proportions. There's so many, yeah, but we're not so involved. Many, yeah, we're not involved. I mean, to a minimal extent. Right. Yeah. And meanwhile, the same people that don't want refugees. No, they're bad. They're terrible. Okay, so simultaneously, they're people that we need to save and protect, but they're also so bad that we can't trust them to come into this. Co- oh, okay. So they're innocent little babies that right. we're not going to help. Who we're afraid of, who are going to grow up to be terrorists that we need yes. to be scared of. Right, exactly. Okay. Well, right. Also, at the same time, you say that, oh, they they feel that World War III has already began. This, to some extent, I believe that World War III has begun, alre- has begun already. We've been in a constant state of war since 9-11 happened. Yeah, but... And there's an argument to be made that we're, we could be in World War III and not, not really realize it It's yet. interesting who we're at war with. It's interesting that we decided to start with Iraq and Afghanistan and not go after, you know... And now we don't really know. A now country we, like this, and, or, and Iran. Not that I'm advocating for that. A Syria. We We're start, not getting involved. We don't attack North Korea. You know why you don't attack North Korea? They have nuclear weapons and nothing to lose. That's the problem. That I mean, no, I'm ten, not going to get into this whole argument well, again about China ago, and whatever. But ten, ten years ago, they didn't have nuclear weapons. You could attack. It's all about alliances. Yeah, but you can't. But it, but it, take that out of the. It is about that. But also, you have a, a population of people who have been starved and beaten and put into labor camps for generation after generation, and they're brainwashed. And you, you don't just undo that. By killing Kim Jong-un. You know, it doesn't happen that way. At the end of the day, this is a Christian nation, and a Christian cannot turn a blind eye. Well, and you know what? Guess what? We got a lot of those people at the heads of of these uh, um, organizations within the United States. Pompeo at CIA. Bannon is like this conservative 
Christian right wing nut. You know, like that's the problem. That's really the big problem. We have congressmen who are trying to promote a message of corporate Jesus. Huh? We have a, we have congressmen out there who are trying to promote a message of corporate Jesus that Jesus was all about promoting the, the not helping the poor. It's like that, so who's who's doing the, that? I I saw some some quote a couple weeks ago. That well, one you gotta, thing, one yeah. thing saying like, oh, you're not like. It was a quote from a congressman. You're saying a congressman. I don't not believe it, but I just don't want to put that out there for now. Starting, saying one reference in the Bible, saying, "Oh, people who don't people who don't work shouldn't be shouldn't be fed." Oh, stop it! That's so completely different. That's so different. You could work at a fucking soup kitchen for no money. It doesn't mean that you want to run Walmart. You pieces of shit. That is such a crazy bunch of bullshit. Oh, see, God agrees with me. It was just a, <laughs> a huge thunderclap. Dramatic. Like, yeah, I hope it picks that up because that's awesome. I don't think it will, but I'm okay. telling you, it happened. Samson, yeah, it's, man, it uh, Jesus at the fucking temple thrown over the money. To, get the fuck yeah, out of yeah. here. Jesus had no interest in corporations. I'll tell you that right now. They made fun of Obama for being a community. He never had a real job. He was a community organizer. Guess who else was? Uh, Christ? Dummies? But when I, also, My I point is Obama was, was I, I believe the, <laughs> the actual Bible verse the congressman was referencing was saying, oh, people who work in the church shouldn't like need to actually give back in order to get... To get Free char- charity. Like, I don't know what he's talking just, about. You find it. You thing. find it, and then we'll we'll talk yeah. about it next week. All right. So horrible situation in Syria. Obviously, it's been that way for six years. Um, you know, this is not something that you take lightly. It is what you need to do. Really, is you got to get the international community together and put as much pressure as you can on Syria to try to try this asshole on war crime. You know, like it's a war crime what he's doing. It's yes. been war crimes. It continues to be. And now the evidence just keeps mounting. Now, I will say this, and I'm not going to elaborate on it. I'm just putting it out there because it's something I saw. Ron Paul, the famous libertarian, he's out there saying it's a false flag perpetrated by the deep state, our intelligence communities, to try to suck the dummy Trump into a war and get involved more militarily around the globe. So he's screaming screaming conspiracy that I just did like 20 minutes ago. I thought that's what you were bringing up. No, I had no idea he did that. Yeah, well, so there's a lot going on out there. There's no evidence to suggest that that's the case. Uh, it's not far-fetched that uh, Assad is doing this to his own people. So, okay, but I'm just putting that out there. I don't even take it as like the other side is saying. It's just a person saying that. And you I don't want to know something that bothers me. When what? somebody says their own people, hmm? when somebody says, oh, sure. He Stalin did people. it to his own people. Yeah, Assad course. did it to his own people. He don't give a fuck about people. Uh, of course he not. He cares about his family his blood, that's it. Yeah, Everybody else power. is fucking trash. Right. And actually, I'm watching this documentary, Hypernormalization, which uh, Shelby recommended to me. It was a BBC documentary, which I'm not all the way through. I'm like two-thirds of the way through. Mm-hmm. But it gets into his dad, whose name I since forget, I think Hafaz Assad or some shit. Anyway, he it explains like how he took power, what his plan was, and, and how Bashar became the head of Syria. And it's mm. pretty interesting. Uh, it gets into Trump and a lot of yeah. stuff. Anyway. Hafez al-Assad. Hafez, okay, so that's what I thought. Say it again? Hafez. Hafez, H-A-F-E-Z in English. So normally we like to stretch out, you know, take our time. We don't have any problem, you know, getting into any conversation. We're about 45 minutes in. We have probably about 40 minutes to go, and I want to get through the rest of the stuff that we have to talk about. Moving from a horrific situation to probably, like I mentioned, one of the greatest things that we'll ever talk about on the podcast that makes me so truly happy because it's just a microcosm of like corporate nonsense and like it just epitomizes that we got this Pepsi commercial that Kendall Jenner was in and I love it. I cried. You cried? I cried. It you was cried beautiful. Jo- tears of joy. 
Yeah, it was beautiful. It was of very course. well done. Yeah, it's an uplifting message. And you know what? If they want to sell me that protest, that if I buy a Pepsi, it's going to help me protest, mm-hmm. then I'm stupid enough to go buy that Pepsi and go join that protest. All right. Well, that's Joey's point on it. Here's what we're going to do. So we're going to... There's a 30-second version, which a lot of people saw, that just features Kendall Jenner. But I have a two-minute and 40-second version of this like little short film they put together. So that was the one I was watching. No, no, no. Yeah. You, you sent me the 40-second thing. Yeah, yeah. You, that was well done for 40 seconds. Yeah, it's well done. Nobody's saying it's not shot well. You know, um, I'm going to play it through. We're going to hear it in the background. And I'll just kind of explain what's going on, and we can pause it and talk about whatever. But this shit... Ah, I love it on so many levels. <laughs> I can't even explain, but we're going to try to do that. Then I have a statement from Pepsi. And then I also have another lesser known controversy, the Nivea Corporation company. They, they're like a skincare and whatever. I know what Nivea is. So yeah. we'll do the Samsonite. We're going to get Christopher. All right. Um, so let's talk about this Pepsi commercial. I'm just going to play it. I'll have it kind of quietly in the background. You know, now it's showing some like epic shots of this guy playing what I believe is a cello. Brian Wilson, Ozo Parazoso, go get his album. Now you're seeing a very diverse crew of millennials walk in protesting. They're holding peace signs. They're also holding <laughs> protest signs that have the very powerful message, join the conversation. <laughs> Nothing uh, you know, dangerous there. But there's a whole host of very ethnically diverse people. Muslims and Jews and black and white and Asian and Hispanic and just everybody. All right? They're marching down the street. Yes. Now you're seeing this one kind of ethnically ambiguous gentleman. I don't know. He's Asian, potentially Hispanic. I'm not sure. He's drinking a Pepsi. He was playing cello. Now he sees this march go by and he's like, fuck. I feel like I got to get involved in this thing. Up. Oh, now you got a, a, a Muslim woman. She seems to be an artist, but she's frustrated. She throws her paperwork around. And now she looks out and she sees the protest. She grabs her camera and she's involved. And I encourage you, listen, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't watched this commercial, watch the commercial, and then you can listen to the rest of how I'm explaining it. But you should watch it, uh, which, by the way, has since been pulled. Pepsi pulled the commercial. It was only out for a day, but everybody saw it. All right. Go ahead, Joe. Are you going to say something? It only took them one day. Yeah, because so many millions of people, people watched had it. a problem yeah. with it. Yeah. God, that's unbelievable. Uh, all right. So now they're, and by the way, they're protesting. They seem happy. You know what I mean? They're they're protesting they're the protest. They're strong but happy. All right, so now they're all cheering, whatever. Lots of people. This guy's got drumsticks. Now the the cello players involved. Now there's some break dancing happening. There's a impromptu jam session. This is like what millennials do, you know? They protest, but they're also getting along with everybody. No, Christopher, they're paid protesters. Oh, wait. Now Joey, hold on. What the fuck is going on here? Kendall Jenner, who if I know one thing about millennials, <laughs> They love Kendall Jenner, and they love the Kardashians, and they love this whole thing. She's a model. Yes. She's at a model shoot in this uh, commercial, mm-hmm. and she's wearing a, she's got blonde hair. She's all dolled up, and she's looking out at the protest. She's noticing. She's noticing as it walks by, and she's getting interested in what's going on here. Now she's locked eyes with the ethnically ambiguous Hispanic Asian gentleman, and he kind of gives her this, hey, join us look you know hey you come here oh shit now she's thrown off her wig she's thrown the blonde wig off which i interpret as white privilege oh what she's thrown this white privilege aside now she's got her brunette 
hair, her natural hair. She wipes her makeup off, her, her lipstick, and now she's getting involved in this goddamn protest. All right, before you hit play again, sure. why is it white privilege? Why can't it be that she didn't? She doesn't want to be a fake symbol anymore? Well, how many she p- could be herself. Well, we can, we can break it down in a minute, but I'm just saying, how many people are naturally blonde? Not a lot of uh, African-Americans who are naturally blonde. Are you kidding me? This, uh, white people are naturally blonde. There's no other nationality. Some good old blonde hair, blue-eyed people. Yeah, and there's no race. Exactly. There's no other race that's naturally blonde. So that's how I interpret it. You know what? I'm getting out of my little white world here, and I'm going to join the fray with the okay. rest of my people. All right. Now, a lot of people giving peace signs. Again, Muslims, Arabs, Jews, everybody involved. Kendall Jenner grabs a Pepsi. She's walking in front of all these other people protesting. She, she literally fist bumps a, a black gentleman with cornrows. He gives her a little point like, you go, girl. You're doing the right thing. Get involved. Kendall now is walking through the protest to the cheering approval of her peers. <laughs> Looking good. And now she strides up confidently to a line of policemen all of whom are white, by the way. There's no way that you could have another race of cops in this commercial. There's no way you could. They have to be. Are the cops are white? Have to be white. Yes. Oh, are the cops are white? They're white. Oh, good. Our God. Muslim artist friend is now taking pictures of this moment, which echoes some moments from Black Lives Matter protests where um, there's an iconic one where there's a black girl, or is she Muslim? Where she's handing a rose anyway to the police. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like an iconic moment from recent protests. But there's a lot of protests like that where they're putting flowers in the guns and whatever. Yeah. And this is what this is. Kendall is about to hand a Pepsi to the cop. And she does. And the cop takes it. He accepts it. He looks at it. He goes, oh, a Pepsi. The Muslim chick is smiling, takes a picture. Oh, he's drinking the Pepsi. The crowd goes crazy. They're all excited. Old, young, white, black, Asian, everybody. Muslim Jew. Now the the cop <laughs> takes a sip of it, and he looks at his fellow boy in blue, and he gives him a look of like, "God damn, this Pepsi's good." And then he like gives a little like one of those looks where you go, "Hmm, pretty good, huh?" And I think Kendall Jenner has solved the problems of America just by handing a Pepsi to this one police officer. Kendall's clapping. Woo! She gives a little fist bump. And now we go to a, a, a title screen where they're walking towards the camera and it says, Live Bolder. Live Louder. Pepsi. Live for now. Woo! Wow! You want to talk about a modern masterpiece? I think that's what we're looking at. Obviously, I'm being sarcastic, but I do love it. It was well done. It's well shot, no doubt about it. They spent millions and millions of dollars. And I want to say this right off the top. Kendall, if you're listening, it's not your fault. If they paid me right now, if Coca-Cola came to me and was like, Man Samp, hand this Chris, hand this drink to a white cop. Yeah, we need to counteract this Pepsi commercial with our own version. Oh Jesus! Here's Christ. five million dollars. You play the Kendall Jenner version. I go sign me up. <laughs> I don't care what kind of backlash. I'll take the amount. So it's not Kendall's fault. I want to see that commercial now. What do you mean? What no, you I want to see your, your commercial. Oh well, yeah, I want to see you in that commercial. We should, it'd be a Mountain Dew commercial. I'd probably do a Mountain Dew. One. Do you um, promise to tuck it though? fuck is wrong with that you what does that mean quickly. no i don't pro- no I'm you gonna- said you're gonna be kendall that means you have to cross dress oh, obviously no absolutely not what if i want to be more like a caitlin hmm? fine you got me okay uh i'd probably do a pantsless anyway thoughts on this joey let me just say yeah okay th- i said it at the beginning this is a microcosm of just corporate 
whitewashing nonsense. They go, hey, millennials like diversity. And it seemed, they seem mad. They seem like they're protesting. And they don't like the cops. Maybe we could put something together here where we'll make them drink more Pepsi. It's so... How many fucking dumb corporate idiots did this have to get I'm like McCain now. Stupid idiots. How many, <laughs> how many stupid idiots did this have to get through where nobody was like, you know, I feel like this isn't going to be well-received. You know what? I totally disagree. I feel that this should have been well-received. Mm-hmm. It's well-received by me. Okay. And you know what happened? All the white little snowflakes got together <laughs> and made a snowstorm. Oh, wow. Okay. I like that terminology. That's very cool. Uh, you're very with it and hip. Thank you. I... You know, listen, millennial. It's, it's so obvious why this is a, you know, there's a backlash to it. I'm not offended by it, but obviously what you're doing is just co-opting a legitimate unrest in the country, a desire to protest what is happening. And you're taking it and you're exploiting the imagery of it to sell your dumb Pepsi. And it's just a very... no. At the end there, when Kendall hands that Pepsi to that cop, Mm -hmm. he should take it, drink it, slam it on the ground, and then riddle her with rubber bullets because that's what happens. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, and then just douse them with fucking tear gas. That's what's happening. Kick her legs out and zip tie her like that little black girl at that uh, pool party. That's the reality in a lot of ways of policing in America of protest. It wouldn't just be well-received. Did you poison this? Get on the ground! Get on the ground. I'm a Kendall, I'm Kendall Jenner. Get on the fucking ground. I'm not going to tell you again. And then they shoot him. You know, like, that's the problem. Where they where they paint this very Disney, uh, look, we can all get together and join the conversation. It's a whitewashing of what a, what a real protest looks like in this country. When you have congressmen in Minnesota who are trying to pass laws where you can go to jail if you shut down a highway with your protest. That's the type of shit we're talking about, where they want to pass legislation against protests. That's why people get annoyed, and that's why it annoys me. I love it, but I hate love it, you know? See, see the other thing, too, which, you know, I'm kind of a little at crossroads with, everyone is so well made up. Oh, like well, the amount beautiful. of makeup. I mean, it's a beautiful protest, I, yeah. Like a real protest, that's, you know, it's like they're idealizing protesting yes. for the wrong message. Of course, right. Well, it's a corporation that's just trying... When a corporation that big tries to dip into a grassroots movement and dip into a natural sentiment of anger, you're playing with fire. Because oh, there's, a, there's a very anger, angry group of people, and you're trying to use that to your benefit, it's going to come back to come back to bite you but what are they angry about that's the thing that i don't get well a lot of different right i mean this is the the thing is in this melting pot fucking protest they put together here there is no it's just you know what we just want to have our voices heard man we just want to be free you know like that's what they're putting out there peace bro but in real life yeah there's black lives matter there's the women's march there's people that are protesting uh anti-muslim sentiment in the country and people that are Mm -hmm. you know there's so much going on well, and that you just combine it. And they're like, well, yeah, they like protests. Like, yeah, everyone get together. These little scamps love protests. And, but, <laughs> I got an idea. Like, I'm not horribly offended by it either, but but I do see why you're offended by it at all. I mean, it's talk not, right it, into the. It mic doesn't there. really piss me off that much, but but I see it's just really dumb by Pepsi because at the end of the day, what, well, yeah. it's okay. Well, is it though? Because people are. T- it, here's the other. Good kind, God, man, patronizing, patronizing. Where it's like, oh, well, yeah. we get you, millennials. We want you right. to now buy our products. Like that's. You're wait, 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 wait. You're trying to just co-opt this movement for your own gain. Before you say that, Jimmy, just before I lose it. The the other point is 
Pepsi, Coke. People goes go. Why, why do we? Why do they even advertise? Everybody knows Pepsi and Coke, right? It's just to stay in the consciousness. This keeps Pepsi in the consciousness. So maybe it's dumb, but maybe they were like, "Fuck it, we'll just see what happens." And and it could be people. It worked. You could end up with people. This could still work where people. Oh, I, I'm against Black Lives Matter and all that. I'm going to go out and buy a Pepsi. Maybe, but I'm I, go buy a Pepsi. I gotta bet those people are Coke people. I mean, I, I'm if I had to bet, now this is just purely conjecture. Coke is the drink of Coke. People is the who hate Black Lives Matter and are like the, the the All Lives Matter people, they drink Coke. If I had to bet, that's my bet. He's, I'm not, now I'm a slow. Based on nothing, but I bet. <laughs> now I'm a little afraid to say my soda affiliations. What do you drink? More of a Coke kind of guy. I drink Polish seltzer and everybody knows it. Actually, I'm a I seltzer man. I, the only, Diet I'm, Pepsi. The only soda I drink is when it's with whiskey in it. So. Yeah. Well, right. I yeah, mean, well, yeah, that, take yeah. that out of the equation. But I'm just. <laughs> so wait. So people are now going to be protesting Pepsi for having a video of people protesting. Ah, it's called the Looking Glass. Yes, we are now through the Looking Glass show. Yeah. Uh, anyway, all right. So that happened, and I love it. And I highly encourage you guys to check that out. I'm not mad about it. Pepsi, whatever you get, what they're doing, but it's just such a microcosm of. I hate. I, I know people hate commercials. I'll watch TV with my wife. We'll sit there and she'll be watching a show, Scandal, whatever she's watching. If we're watching it live without fast-forwarding through the commercial, I can't stop. I hate it. It, it rep- I see the commercial. I go, oh, look at this fucking dipshit doing this. Oh, yeah, he really wants to buy that. He's I, putting I, it in his mouth. It, He's putting I, it in his mouth. I hate the unnatural unreality reflected back at me from these corporations the what they're trying to promote to me and this is just the epitome of that but make no mistake i hate all of it you know i I hate this this really i said disney this like purified um sanitized version of reality that they're trying to reflect back and that's all this is it's just it's just reality focused through a capitalist corporatist prism and that's all it is and you should be outraged, not outraged, but whatever. You should be pissed about all versions of it. This just happens to be a really extreme, ridiculous version of it that people were able to latch onto. Uh, there's another ad that people didn't really fo- focus on, but I saw this week. It's Nivea. Nivea is a, a skincare company or whatever. They're a German skincare company. And they faced a backlash to their ad campaign for their, quote, invisible for black and white deodorant, essentially. Oh, good you put God. This deodorant on, well, yeah. Oh, what? I, do, you, do you feel like this is going somewhere? Yeah, it is. Uh, so the ad is, it says, it's a tweet. They tweeted out the ad and it says, keep it clean, keep it bright, don't let anything ruin it, hashtag invisible. And it says, the ad is a woman wearing like a white whatever, something. And it says, white is purity. No. Now, no, they didn't. No, wait for no. it. So, uh, oh, I didn't read the Pepsi statement. Can I read the Pepsi statement? Let me just say this. I don't think we need the statement from Pepsi. It doesn't matter. Well, let's just read it. Okay. Pepsi was trying to project a global message of unity, peace, and understanding. Clearly, we missed the mark, and we apologize. In my mind, corporations sound like that. Like we a, did not. Like that's why. Businesswoman who smoked. You need, well, that's why they fangs, get. Thanks, Chris. You need fangs. They're out. <laughs> this is why they get like a Kendall Jenner or whatever because they need to foot channel their voice through uh, like a pretty young, you know, spokesperson. We did not intend to make light of any serious issue. We are removing the content halting any further rollout. We also apologize for putting Kendall Jenner in this situation. <laughs> and then they go back to their voice. All right, because you you read it, you're going to read it again and no. you're going to read it as Senator McCain. All right, fine, but we're pressed for time. That's fine. Pepsi was trying to protect a global message of unity, peace, and understanding, unlike my time with the Viet Cong. 
Clearly, we missed the mark, and we apologize. We did not intend to make light of any serious issue. We are removing the content and halting any further rollout because we're not stupid idiots like Mitch McConnell. We also apologize for putting... Who is it? Oh, it's one of the fucking Kardashians in this position. Thank you. All right, thank you, Senator McCain. We appreciate it. Uh, now, like I said, white is purity is the Nivea yeah. situation. Now, okay, obviously you hear that and you go, well, that's probably dumb because people are going to react to that. But <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> but at face value, oh, what, we can't... It is, though. Doesn't white represent purity? Doves. People wear a wedding dress. It's white. Everything that you think of when you like symbol symbolically, yes, white is purity. We we know that. There's snow, no yeah, question yes. about it, uh, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, yes, pure as the driven snow. What are they saying? <laughs> that white snow is pure. It's not saying white fucking people. You know that. We know that. But, but I get why people. We're gonna take it there. So let's go there. Okay. So Nivea, <laughs> they release a statement. They go, "We are deeply sorry to anyone." who may take offense to the specific post. After realizing that the post is misleading, it was immediately withdrawn. Diversity and equal opportunity are crucial values of Nivea. All right. Of course. Uh, wait, I also feel like I had another quote. Well, anyway, it's part of their bigger campaign, right? The black and white thing. They have one where black represents strength. Right, but that, yes. that, that doesn't become a factor. All right. Here's some quotes from some people that are critiquing this, and they're really annoying. Scott Bellows, who's at Scott Professor on Twitter, he has 5,154 followers. He says, come on, hashtag Nivea. This is, so, <laughs> this is so racist that I do not even know where to begin. Then he puts an angry face emoji, speechless. In future, refer to clothes or products, not colors. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's not racist. Saying that white is purity is not racist. That's not racist at all. You it's know not, that's not what? That's not what he's... They're not saying white people are pure. All other ones suck it. They're not saying that. He, they're literally saying this is... White represents purity here. They're, they're not saying... That's it's not, not everyone's going to take he, it, Christopher. I do not even know where to begin. This is so racist. No, it's not. Dumb fuck. I mean, ultimately, it's a fundamentally stupid thing in the marketing agency. Because you Because you have to know that this is... You have to know how that sentence comes off. Same thing with Pepsi. Right? That, that comes yeah, off straight out of Steve Bannon's mouth. Right. But this guy goes, in future, refer to clothes or products, not colors. What? What are you talking about? I can't do that. So Skittles can't say, taste the rainbow anymore. That's no good. They can say, taste the multicolored uh, candy coated. Like, what are you, nuts? What do you mean? Taste the rainbow is so multicultural. That's fine. It's so diverse. I guess that's true, actually. Refer to clothes or products, not colors. Why don't you stop making pronouncements? 5,000 follower guy says 1,200 follower guy, me. But uh, ultimately, it's just a, it was just a dumb decision by some... I, it is, but I, you know, I, I don't even... This one I even find less fault with. It's like, I get it, but give me a break. Now, meanwhile, this one, Yesha Callahan, who's a writer for TheRoot.com, she wrote an article, Nivea pulls racist white is purity deodorant after ad after backlash. She goes... The whole white is purity is absolutely horrific. When you think about Nivea's German background and, well, oh, you God. know, Nazi reign from back in the day. Jesus Christ, You are being an asshole, Yasha. Like, oh, yeah, nobody could have put two and two together. No, we that's fishing, That Chris. doesn't make it more horrific that they're a German company. And, and, and Come I, on. And I would bet good money that that marketing campaign was put together by the, the American branch of their... Like, no, it's actually a Middle Eastern oh, ad campaign. Oh, really? good God. Yeah. Well, if it's in English, 
But it's in English. Which makes it even crazier that they're mad. <laughs> and in, in the Middle East, perhaps that marketing campaign goes over just fine. Yeah, maybe. Actually, right. No, no, well, no. well, who knows? But anyway. <laughs> so anyway, so that's just another, that's like a little uh, ad week roundup that we're going through. Let's do this. So I want to get to this facial recognition stuff, but I really do want to get to the Bill O'Reilly um, interview, but the hour is getting late. So let's get to the facial recognition stuff. Uh, you know what? I... F- I really want to do the facial recognition, but I feel that we don't have enough time to cover it all and flush it out because it can lead to a very flush it out, yeah. flush it out because it's down the fucking rabbit hole. All right. Let's hold. I, I like what you're saying. Well, I'm glad that you said it. Great. We're, we're going to postpone this for a second week and keep teasing you guys. Yeah. Dirty, dirty Samsonites. Speaking dirty. about dirty, let's hit. Oh, let's hit up. Damn it. <laughs> cut it. Cut it now. No, this is, let's listen, hit up Bill O'Reilly. Okay, we will. And uh, there's no way I'm cutting it. We're not. I'm not even recording with the, like a real program. We're just going to a Zoom recorder. We're so t- I'm not even making marks. We're teasing <laughs> with the facial though. Uh, oh, you know what, Matt? Time. You're on a timeout. <laughs> um, all right. Yes, we will. But remind me to to remind myself that you know this is next week. Yes, next week. Okay. Um, yeah. Let's get to the Bill O'Reilly interview. So this is something I happen. Like I said, I happen to be watching. I forget what was being covered on MSNBC, but I was like, I want to see if Fox is covering anything like this. And Bill O'Reilly, I happened to catch this interview where Bill O'Reilly is talking to Lieutenant Colonel Ralph Peters, um, who's a Fox News analyst. It's not like he's Mm -hmm. some liberal guy that they brought on. And I love it because O'Reilly wants to make like four points and this guy's like, what are you talking about? Fuck that. And like (laughs) goes in his own direction. I happened to, I wasn't even going to bring it up again, but I happened to see on the Fox news Twitter feed Uh that they, I was like, I I bet they don't post any clips from this. They posted a clip, one minute clip out of a five minute interview. That was like the only like innocuous part that they could find Mm -hmm. out of the interview that like sort of seems like he's agreeing with O'Reilly, but he's not Uh, fascinating. So I was like, you know what you fucks, I'm going to play it on the podcast. So this is a, you know, it's a little bit of a longer interview. Bill O'Reilly and Ralph Peters, Lieutenant Colonel Ralph Peters, and we can stop it like we normally do yeah. and, and have a discussion. But well, I won't be able is... to hear any of it. So, oh, oh. Joey, turn these are the headphones that go like that, right? With the Jerry rig setup. Yeah, just turn it around so Mac can hear. All right, there you go. Yeah, uh, you're probably gonna hear a little feedback on on Joey's mic, but it doesn't matter. All right, this is O'Reilly talking to uh, Lieutenant Colonel Ralph Peters. I love this interview. Apparently, the National Security Council, and they have an office on the White House, came across a number of instances where members of the Trump campaign, including the president himself, showed up on intelligence wiretaps, that's transcripts of recorded, secretly recorded trans- uh, conversations. They, uh, two White House guys called Nunes, the head of the uh, House Intelligence Committee, to the White House. Not anymore on Russia. Not anymore to look at the stuff, to look at what was thing. Nunes then said, oh, I saw shocking stuff. It didn't have anything to do with Russia. It was shocking, shocking, shocking. And uh, talked to President Trump about it. Okay, so that, that's what happened. Is there a scandal here? Is there anything here that you're seeing as our security expert that I'm not seeing? Now, O'Reilly spent the first, like, six minutes before this mm-hmm. just being like it's ridiculous it's a witch hunt like they're going on these conspiracy theories now he asks him because now he's like all right now this guy will back me up <laughs> lieutenant colonel peters please continue 
Well, there is a sort of scandal in the fact that this wasn't the National Security Council servicing these documents. It was a couple of Trump appointees assigned to the National Security Council. This right. wasn't H.R. McMaster. And the, it was clearly another attempt to divert attention from the main issue, which is a question of whether or not Vladimir Putin's regime was able to penetrate the Trump campaign and potentially uh, the administration. Well, well, we'll get to that in a minute, though. But I know, but that's what it's about. It's <laughs> See, now O'Reilly already feels it going off the track. He's like, yeah. wait, 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 wait. I'm losing him. I'm losing him. Yeah. Important, though, if uh, Donald Trump and some high member of his uh, transition team are caught on wiretaps, and as you know, it's supposed to be blanked out, they're not so, and now they're on transcripts uh, in, in our intel agencies. I think that's an important story, is it not? No, I, I think it's a BS story, and it's phony, and nobody's uh -oh. released those. Meanwhile, so now I'm watching this, and I'm like, uh-oh. Uh-oh. This is, this is much watch. It's going down in flames. Must-watch television right now. We don't know what was on it. I will tell you, unlike so many of the instant pundits out there, I actually worked in the intelligence world for over two decades. Uh -oh. We take great care not to include the names of U.S. citizens unless they are under some sort of serious investigation. So if those names Which, were by the way, this is all referencing now, fast forward, this was March 30th that this took place. This is referencing the Susan Rice, quote, scandal that the, oh, the right okay. wing is trying to push. It's perfectly normal, as he's saying right here before this even broke. Yeah. It's perfectly normal for somebody to, to ask to unmask names, especially if there's, they're under investigation or there's something going on, which it appears to be the case. Now, the Republicans are making it a big deal being like, you know, former Obama official unmasked Trump people, and this makes Trump right. It in no way does that. That's insane what they're talking about, but okay blacked out in the transcripts that tells me that these these the people were under serious investigation perhaps part of the fbi investigation but as another red herring it diverts attention for the primary issue and as for congressman nunez this week he stepped last week and this week he stepped on more banana peels than a caterpillar has yeah, he's feet. not handling it methodically <laughs> oh, that's for sure but i still don't well, see no, but, but don't you think there's a possibility and again i don't want to be like the other cable uh stations and raise speculation right but a oh no far be it from you o'reilly to raise speculation here inside some of these intel agencies that do the tapping, do the wiretapping, and they don't like Trump, they don't like his people, and if they can put them in an embarrassing position and subsequently leak it to a newspaper, they might do that. Is that isn't that in play here? No, I, do, I think that's. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just love how he stonewalls them. It's like what a great interview this was, because O'Reilly's like, right? No, and he's nah, like, no, no. We're able to tell who voted for Trump. He's never going to be asked you would back. Find the people in the no. intelligence agencies, the rank and file people, probably voted overwhelmingly for him right. because they despised Hillary Listen, Clinton. You, you now, have more, now right. political political yeah. appointees at the top are another question. Our intelligence agency, you know, contrary to the nutcase conspiracy theories, they are patriots who defend this country every single day. They don't spy on Americans. And you know, as back to Congressman Nunes, all he had to do when he took that call from the White House was say, yes, I'll come over, and I need to bring my counterpart, the ranking member, with Absolutely. me. Absolutely, and I told yeah. him that he shouldn't even gone to the yeah. White House. He should have gone yeah. to a neutral location. Well, this um, all stinks. Of it all stinks. Like, yeah, but it's not a matter of appearances. He had to go to the White House because they're the ones that gave him the information that he then later took back to them and told it to. That's what happened. Whatever. We're not going to get into the whole Nunez thing. He re recused himself, so we don't have to worry about it for now.
All right. Now, is there anything in the Russian investigation, which the Senate delved into today, that has caught your eye? Again, it's all speculation at this point. We know the Russians did it, but was there cooperation by anyone? We don't know. Anything that caught your eye? Well, let's, there are two crucial questions, crucial to the security of our country and the sanctity of our elections. The first has been answered. The intelligence communities are unanimous, based on hard evidence and extensive evidence, that Putin did interfere in our presidential campaign. The question that remains unanswered is whether or not the Putin regime was able to penetrate the Trump campaign. On that, we have, so far, the public, you and I, only have circumstantial evidence, all the meetings with Manafort and, and Flynn and Page and Gordon and now Jared Kushner with the Russians during and after the campaign. Now, that is circumstantial evidence, but it's not business as usual. That is, the, that num the number of meetings and contacts, there is a lot well, of smoke Manafort there. Manafort was no, well before the campaign. <laughs> it's like this O'Reilly, somebody, the producer's probably like, cut it! Get it out of there! Commercial break, commercial break! good! campaign um, and, and things like that um they're screaming and, at him in the, the microphone were yeah they're in his ear bill fix know. this just, bill fix this I, yeah. I, steer him back to steer him away from russia <laughs> steer him away from russia <laughs> fuck it we'll do it live yeah <laughs> yeah well that was a big mistake you probably should have rehearsed this if that's Please. the headline you got to then wait to be fair yeah, we course. have to wait we yes and the, the trouble here the scandal really for me is that both sides are politicizing oh, there's no doubt every american who cares about this country and the, the legitimacy i'm of pretty sure this is the clip they played okay <laughs> on like the fox twitter we're like they were like oh this this, sounds, this is okay we can yeah use he's this. criticizing both sides okay our elections do you every think the american FBI right do you think the fbi will find out what happened well, I'm encouraged by the Senate's attitude, but you're absolutely right. The people that will get to the bottom of this, and it may take FBI. a long time, the FBI no. working with Treasury, they're going to follow the money. Okay. So that's just a fun clip I like to watch, and I wish that happened more often on Fox, where the guests aren't just... And it ha you know, it like can't it happen because it doesn't push the agenda forward, Chris. Right. Thoughts, Matt? Uh, just as Joey said, yeah. I mean, most of Fox News is rigged. Right. It's not the truth. It's well, just that's why I was just, I'm sitting there watching this like, are you fucking crazy? What is happening here? <laughs> this is like, this is like, the, there's a flaw in the matrix. Something happened. And they knew you were going to be watching at that moment so that they went to that clip. Well, right that's then. the thing, right? Why was I watching at that moment? Maybe it happens all the time. And I just <laughs> some higher it. power intervening. Yeah. Somebody fell through the cracks. It happens. It's corporate Jesus got involved. <laughs> um, all right. We're done. Joey, I think that was a good call. You're right. We'll do the... Uh, We're doing next week. Yeah, because it's a, it's a longer conversation to have, and there's some real serious shit going on there uh, with the facial recognition stuff, so we'll get into it next week. As for this week, thank you for listening to the program. We really appreciate it. We love you guys. Um, do feel free to go on and, and rate and subscribe on iTunes. That was a nice little thrill for me to go on there and yeah, see thank some you new guys. ratings. That was very cool. Um, you can get in touch with us, Mandatory Samson at gmail.com you can talk to me on all social media platforms that includes twitter instagram snapchat uh, and some secret applications that i can't talk about right now i'm at man sam joey is at joey from jersey jersey is spelled with a z matt is on twitter as at matt d weiss you talk to people on there or not i need to get you really need to get it's not more getting involved i think you'd love twitter and I had somebody I wanted to tweet this week. I'm like, ah, eh, no, I'm too late. What were you gonna? You gonna tweet that you were mad that somebody comment called you? A no, name no, I was, on the... I was gonna tweet about. I was oh, what was the name? Along, along, along you brought along. it up. <laughs> I was gonna tweet about uh, Eric Prince is like the perfect Bond villain. Oh, oh, okay, he yeah, is, sure. He really is a Bond villain. Absolutely. Uh, Bannon kind of has that look too. On but, the but, you but go Eric, to 
Eric Prince has the name and he's a mercenary turning. Yes. Turning, like he's a Bond villain. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, SoundCloud.com slash Mandatory Sams, and that's what I was referring to. I'm not going to say it on the show. It's okay. okay. I, I think the person was being f- funny, but Matt, Matt got upset about it. But, well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, next week. but you can leave a comment on the episode, and uh, you know we'll have a little conversation there. What else am I forgetting? Anything, Joey? Have a great week. Oh, no. it's No, it's not the holiday week. The following week is the holiday week. No, it's Pesach. Next week. Yeah, n- uh, Monday, right? Yeah. My family's doing a a belated pay, uh, Passover just because yeah I'll be celebrating this weekend there. with my extended family that'll be fun you're gonna be getting nice and drunk and full of food all weekend is this a Manischewitz holiday I mean I pa- like Manischewitz I'm not gonna lie to you what's wrong with you what is what wrong, you what's what wrong, is wrong with, you? with you as a human what? being if you me? like Manischewitz what the fuck's wrong with you don't project on me alright <laughs> I love you guys thank you for listening to the program and we will talk to you next week This has been a Stand Up Labs production, powered by digital media. Subscribe to new and archive episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. And find all of our shows at StandUpLabs.nyc. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Yeah.